Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. We are live once again, coming to you on Sunday after the Sunderland FA Cup game, fourth round tie, where Fulham drew with Sunderland, one all in what can only be described as absolute bedlam and mayhem. Joined as always, I have Sammy. How are you going, Sammy, after your late night? Hey, yeah, I'm going about as good as anyone does when they've been up since like 4am, so... Yep, feeling that pain. And Elton, how are we today? Yeah, well, good. Uh, mind and sense not purified, but I'm I'm here. Yeah, correct. It's uh, it's always a tough one when you're watching a game like that, especially such high energy to get back to sleep afterwards. It's a different story if you're listening along in the UK, but when the game ends at one o'clock in the morning and you're uh, still buzzing after absolute mayhem like that, it's uh, tough to put your head down on a pillow and fall straight asleep afterwards. Um. <laughs> But look, guys, let's get into it. Sammy, I'll start with you. What were your just overall thoughts of how the game went and how Fulham played? Yeah, weird. Um, weird game. Uh, very, very, very exuberant Sunderland team. Uh, yeah. Came out really, really firing. Uh, I thought we had a really, really great 10 minutes that just got completely flipped on its side after... Um, the Diop mess up and conceding. And then from there, the game proceeded to get very, very scrappy. Very, very scrappy. Mm. Elton, your thoughts as well? Um, when I finally got my broadcast link up, um, <laughs> I I heard that Sunderland crowd and I thought, mm, they're up for it. And <laughs> they were making a lot of noise. And... Um, look, it's one of those things I think uh, you, we, we, we talk a lot about um, Marco Silva, the genius, and it felt like he had the game plan, but some of his chess pieces went rogue and didn't quite do the business. And it, it look, it's different, difficult. He, he, he wants to have a cup run. He's put his stake in the ground. He said so publicly, but you then have to judge the opposition by the team you put out or start with. And mm. it doesn't matter what game you're playing, what level you're playing. If you go a goal down, you are suddenly chasing the game. And for 30 or 40 minutes, we didn't have the quality to equalize that and go in front quickly enough. Mm. And so it was difficult. And then it got desperate and got a little bit fractious and people started getting very frustrated I think the whole world thought Polina had a yellow card when, in fact, the commentators <laughs> just led us down a blind alley, um, which was pretty funny because everyone on Twitter was talking about, you know, panicking that Polina got another yellow. But uh, look, probably on balance, a fair result. Very exciting game, but clearly unfortunate that mm. we've earned ourselves yet another fixture. Mm. Yeah, it was a, an interesting one, and you made a good point as well about the the side that we put out, um, and and just the general feeling of a cup tie. It really did feel like a cup tie, where you've got the underdog side who are obviously way more up for it because they have nothing to lose. There's no points at stake. It's just a, a cup run at the end of the day, um, and, and so they were they were up for it, and their fans came down, got an away day at Fulham. You know, Sunderland. You have to remember, haven't been in the Premier League for. Oh, 10 plus years maybe mm -hmm. um and and so trips to premier league teams are 
like gold dust for teams in the lower leagues. I mean, I think Sunderland on their current form and based on the fact that they had a very young side out there, the commentators were rattling through the ages of those players. Um, a lot of guys in their very, very early 20s or even younger. And then obviously we saw a 15-year-old come off the bench as well in the last few minutes, and we'll talk about that later. But they, it, it did feel like um, they, they just wanted it a little bit more. And so even though we probably produced more quality chances than they did, um, they, they had a little bit more heart in it. And I think it's also part of the fact that we put out um, a fairly strong starting eleven. but you really do see the difference between our starters and the guys who sit on the bench when you make those wholesale changes. I think when you have to sub in someone as a one-off, you know, talking about replacing, maybe not Mitro as such, but replacing Robinson at left back or replacing Polina or... Polina, bad example as well, replacing Reed in centre mid or replacing Willian on a wing. If it's just one position, it kind of gets hidden a little bit more. But when you make five or six big changes to the side, it really makes a big difference as to how we actually play. And that that seemed to be very obvious last night. That's um, a huge point for me. Huge. Yeah. It's, uh, very, it's, it's very subtle and very nuanced, isn't it? But uh, you make so many changes. And what I felt um, never really thought about it that hard before, but you take out Robinson, Reed, BDR, Mitro, even Willian to a degree. Th- th- those guys are high energy, and they also they're, they're players that concentrate hard and they're focused and they're really in the game. And I felt that that was an element that was missing, certainly in that first half. Mm. And, and um, it, it's not just high energy as well; it's high quality. The the yeah. their ability to pass the ball, make the correct runs, uh, pick out players that that's what we were missing yesterday, and it was really obvious. And you see it when we brought on Willian and Mitro and um, and Canny as well. No, not Canny. Sorry, Reed. Um, Reed. Um, the the it, it just felt like there was a change there. And Sunderland, it felt like it'd been on, on top for most of the game. And those three changes all of a sudden put Fulham completely on top. The last 20 or so minutes, I know Sunderland still created some chances, but really it felt like Fulham were the more likely side to win it at the end of the game there. I don't um, know about you guys, but I had post-traumatic stress experiencing uh, Rodak and goal again. That was... <laughs> I, for, I forgot what that feeling was. And it just... Oh just really highlighted for me how important Leno actually is because the fear that Rodak puts me under, it's like I, I'm, I'm all for kind of like high anxiety games because I think that's what makes the game special. But, oh, my God, I, oh, I, I was about to like literally puncture a lung. Well, let's, let's have a look at the lineup and, and talk about some of those changes. Uh, and, you know, Rodak was quite an obvious one for me, I think, uh, in your cup games, your reserve keeper more often than not will get a run out. But like you said, Sammy, th- there is a, a considerable difference between Rodak and Leno. I've always been a big fan of Rodak. I think he's a good shot stopper. I think he handles himself pretty well aerially. He's not bad with his feet as well, but it just shows that difference when you get someone like Leno in goal over Rodak, uh, how much calmer it all feels and just how mm. much... Um, how much better Leno is than Rodak. And it's nothing against Rodak. He's still an international keeper, but Leno is just a, a cut above. Yeah. Um, Elton, your thoughts on 
the back line. So obviously Tete started. I think we were, I was personally surprised that Tete got a start, but I'm glad he did. Um, and Ream and Robinson both rested. How did you feel our defence handled what was effectively two chat? Well, across the back five, three out of three out of the five players getting changed out for this game. Sorry, you're, you're distracting me. You're, 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 the name of your striker is distracting me on your team sheet. Yeah, I was going to. So B- BBC pick up random, the randomness of Brazilian names and they pick up two <coughs> random names rather than the two <laughs> names that he's actually known by. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Um, look, um, Leno versus Rodak is probably Robinson versus Kazawa. Uh, Kazawa... I actually think he's not a bad player. He's not. He's 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 not a bad backup. I, I like that he's actually starting to get some attitude as well. And um, the more more minutes he has, um, just the more he seems to be part of that team. And he has he feels confident enough to 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 you know to be a little bit confrontational and actually impose himself on the game. So I I. Look, he, he he's he's not Robinson in terms of speed, but it, forgetting Robinson is a relatively quick player. He just seems a little slow, um, and his decision making certainly isn't as quick as Robinson for for, for me. Um, not surprised to see Ream out of it. He he deserves a rest, mm. and he's a, a more important player for us in our upcoming games. No, no question about it. I'm sure they'd love to have given. Tete arrest as well, but we have a problem there. And without putting uh, Bobby Reed at right back, what do you do? Yeah. <clears throat> um, and then, so there's no surprises to me here in the in 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 how we lined up at the back. But in answer to your question, how did I feel they went? Jeez, oh, maybe maybe it's more a comment on Leno commanding the defenders and probably the influence that Tim Ream has in keeping them alive that perhaps wouldn't have seen that Diop error, which I have to say was quite Tosin-esque. Mm. Yeah. I, I know that's it something was, that you've always been worried about with Tosin. He's, um, he gets caught with the ball, just yeah. uh, overthinking it, and he takes too long. And that guy, sure maybe they did so that I feel like sometimes he's just a bit slow when he actually mm. makes his decisions. I, I think he um, his decisions mm. are usually the right ones, but he just doesn't have the ability to mm. quickly get the ball out of his feet. Yep, yep. Mm. I think that's fair. Fair. So that would be bullying then if we picked on him, wouldn't it? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> anyway, uh, Sammy, I'll ask you the the front five there. I get oh front six rather. Um, Polina Kearney in the centre. Wilson, Pereira, and Solomon, the three behind Vinicius up front. Mm-hmm. Um, what were your thoughts there? Because obviously there's quite a few changes there. We, well, um, the only starters are Polina and Pereira there. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on how, how they went and if you thought they were the right changes to make as well? Um, I mean, it goes without saying that I thought Solomon was by far our brightest light on the pitch last night um at least it felt that way for me i'm so happy he actually got the opportunity to really kind of like establish himself and i i genuinely think he if he doesn't i think he should get a start hi will i have not 
I have not missed what you just said. Um, Pereira, I think, was extremely important to ground that whole area as well as Palina. I do find sometimes when Candy plays, he slows us down a little bit too much, especially when he starts. So we do miss that kind of like high tempo energy that Reed and Palina kind of give to us. I've had that pet peeve for a while. Oh, Harry Wilson. Oh, my 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 dear sweet summer child. He. Uh, I, I I genuinely think it's kind of gotten to the point now where his he there's like mentality wise there's something kind of off with him. I feel that he really does probably need to like swing out on loan now. I've I've defended him all season, but I feel that this game was really kind of the nail in the coffin for me at least with Harry Wilson. And I love him, and I I have all the faith in the world in him, but he uh, he he kind of just needs to get out of his own way a little bit, and I feel that he. I feel that it's too much pressure for him at the moment to reestablish himself in this Fulham team specifically. And I I think he just need I don't know where he needs to go, but maybe he just needs to go to like he's go to like Bristol City or something like that to just refine the Harry Wilson that he is. I was saying to you guys last night, he needs to come back with like three tattoos in the top knot and just really go on Kentucky, find himself again, and then come back because uh, he's, he's he's not he's not where he needs to be, and I love him, and I don't want to say that about him. But yeah, last night was really really evident. I felt like he should have come off like significantly earlier than he actually did, and yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame because he was trying, he was really trying, but it, yeah, it just wasn't. Yeah, Dad, I'll, I'll throw it to you, and it's it's part of what um, William, who's had a comment here as well, mentions those errors coming from a lack of game time. Perhaps that's obviously in relation to. Tosin and Diop as well. Um, but I think you could probably say that in part that relates to Wilson too. Do you think Wilson um, is struggling from a lack of game time or do you think he's actually not up to the level of this current Fulham team? Oh, look, uh, I was thinking about that really carefully last night. And we, we've talked about this. I, I thought you covered that really well, Sam. I th thought you covered the, the Wilson... Thank you. Story really well there because there's no doubt in anyone's mind, surely, he tried really hard last night and he actually had a lot of opportunities. Mm. And mm. you could sort of see it in his face that he knew, like everyone knew, how this was turning out. And he, he, he was really trying. Um, but yeah. the problem for Harry Wilson is is that he's not a proven Premier League player. And if, if someone says he is, I don't think Harry Wilson himself believes that. I so agree. He, you know, he had a fantastic season last season. He comes in, he gets an early injury, which is really tragic. Because if you look at Cabano and compare and contrast those two, they both come up into the Premier League. Cabano has the opportunity to play a, a hat full of games, does really well. He must have incredible self-belief. And when he's back and fit, provided that all goes well, you can imagine him coming back in and still believing in himself. And I think there's a big gap there between what, um, you know, not just coming back from injury and getting match fitness, but it's the gap in self-belief. Mm. And I feel really sorry for the guy, um, but it isn't really working out within this team. His timing... He, he needed to get his act together in terms of proving himself before Solomon was fully fit, and it hasn't happened. And, and I know they're playing on different sides, but 
you know, we've got we, we if you look at that page, we don't see there's no Willian, there's no BDR, there's a lot of competition, and there's no Dan James. There's a lot of competition for places. Um, so I feel very, very sorry for him, and uh, and I hope I hope he does get a really good loan deal that's really effective for him because I still think he's a good player and finely tuned and 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 confidence top knot or not uh I'd, I'd love to have him back in the squad really fighting for his position and pushing us or pushing other players I thought um like everyone in the Fulham fan base I thought Solomon getting his opportunity was perfect and he grabbed it with both hands and th this guy's good mm. I think Jack tweeted something last night which I thought was uh, probably very widely felt and it feels like it's a new signing mm, um, totally. and uh, he he's quick he's tricky he's aggressive and he's confident he believes in himself he, he doesn't yeah. think the Premier League's uh, uh, you know out of his league no way mm. he that that goal that that shot that Pereira had um, where he runs down the left-hand side and he, he, you know, the ball's going out for any other player. He makes the effort, pass mm. it as a cross, nearly, nearly impales himself on the barrier. And he, he had <laughs> such a good game in, on, you know, across on so many levels. I am so happy that he's, he's back. Or he's not back, I guess, but he's, he's he's back and available for us, and he's a force. Um, I thought, well, how can you criticise Tom Kearney? I know what you're saying about tempo, but we are playing Sunderland. Um, yeah. I thought Kearney was pretty good last night, and he, the you know his his goal was outstanding, absolutely it's, outstanding. It's just a personal peeve that I have. I'm yeah, just no, not no, it's okay. Gameplay. <laughs> um, without. Diving in too deep, I was disappointed with Vinicius, who I also like and I also really want to do well. And I want Mitro to have a really, really great backup and partner. Mm. Um, I thought it, it worried me that he just doesn't find himself in those magical places, gambling at the far post. You know, you know what I mean? He just doesn't find himself there. There were, a, you know, Pereira had a lot of space last night, and boy, didn't he show his quality. Mm. Um, he he put a lot of really good crosses in that I think Mitro would have been all over. And One thing, yeah, yeah, didn't sorry. seem to be in the right places. One thing as well that was really, really frustrating okay. me, I, I touched on it with you guys as well, is I do agree what you were saying, but I think the key thing is Mitrovic is good at establishing himself on the pitch as well as just being that strong person, that target person that we need. Whereas Vinicius was just trying to get into a pissing contest with basically everybody. And uh, I, can't, I forget exactly what moment it was, but he actually missed an opportunity. Oh, yeah, it was, um, it was the ricochet off um, Pereira's attempt at goal, which ping-pulled ping in a really, really weird way. But he should have been there. And he was, he was having an argy-bargy with one of the defenders because... What what re just watch the ball, man? Just watch the ball. Well, I think he was. I think I, he was he started to get quite frustrated as well. Yeah, and I get that. I, but you need I think, I think that's a bit harsh, Sammy. I think the the defenders were putting in a lot of effort off the ball on Vinicius. I saw a couple of times where the ball was nowhere near him, and they were shirt fronting him off the ball. 
it was fair frustration because at, at that point you're talking about where he could have had an opportunity. It didn't go close to him, but I know what you mean. Um, he had been basically sh- shoved off the ball um, by the defender. Yeah. So I think I think that's a bit harsh saying that he should have been um, on it a little bit more because that happens to Mitro as well. Mitro constantly gets caught out by the defenders who get up mm. in his grill and put him off his game. And that's what you see a lot in the championship as well, which is kind of, you don't see it quite as much in the Premier League because there's a bit more class uh, to the players. And so they can they can uh, let their feet do the talking. But in the championship, those defenders, it's all physical. One thing I will say, you, you made a point about Tom Kearney slowing down the tempo. And I, I agree with that in a sense, but I also think he adds a lot more creativity than Harrison Reed, but I do think we struggled when the ball bounced between the midfield and defence. Harrison mm. Reed is always there sweeping up. Tom Kearney is not. And I think yeah. a lot of their opportunities came from the ball being in between the midfield and defensive lines. Sunderland making sure there was a man there every single time picking up the ball and actually forming an attack off the back of that. And I think we really missed Harrison Reed there, and that's why we were under so much pressure from Sunderland. Kazawa yeah. was looking a little bit slow on the left, and they exploited that massively. Patrick Roberts, who's an ex-Fulham Academy and um, first-team player, was brilliant on the right. I think he's you know definitely bounced back after his time at Man City and Celtic, and he's found a spot, and hopefully he can take them up to the Premier League and we can see a little bit more of him. But he was very impressive yesterday on the right. Yeah, so, I thought so as well. Look, guys, let's actually go into the game a little bit because um, we we could spend forever talking about the lineup and how everything went. But um, let's actually cover what happened on the day. So let's look first of all at the mistake we did, did talk about briefly. Uh, got a little clip of it here, so I'll pull it up on the screen. So, yeah, we see Diop just hesitating a little bit on the ball. Again, it's just the want to actually get there first from the Sunderland player who gets in ahead of Diop, nicks the ball away. Mm. Uh, should should Rodak do better there? And obviously it's a, it's a silly mistake by Diop. I don't think we have to really go into that too much. But should Rodak have actually done better and, and cut that one off? One thing that um, that replay actually doesn't show is because I, I rewatched it before um, we went live is Diop and Tete passed back and forth three times before that happened. Really, really obvious indecision. And then that just basically because like Clark was pressing him, Clark was pressing him each time. And then like the third time it went back to Diop. All it just did was just chase him down because he clearly had no idea where he was going to go because that's why he's going I, I would forward. say, though, that's probably probably props to Sunderland for their closing down because oh, I agree. when you do see that happen with two players passing the ball back and forth, what that means is Sunderland have marked all our options out of the game and so they've got mm. nowhere to go except straight back again. So it's, again, you know, six minutes into the game, Sunderland obviously pressuring us really hard and we, we're struggling to deal with it. And it's yeah. forced a mistake. Yeah, no, totally. But, but, Credit but to him to, for that. I mean, absolutely. And, and one thing I would say is that I thought Sunderland did their homework brilliantly. They really, mm. really, mm. they actually had good plans, really, really good plans. And um, just the way the channels they actually moved in and how they actually pressed certain players very hard, very effective. Um, so, look, whatever. I, you know, that's still... 
you know, Issa Diop is a Premier League centre-back, should have done better. Mm. Should have done better. He gets more pressure than that every week in the Premier League. So yeah. that's a preparation thing. That's just that's just not getting into the game mentally quick enough to be ready for that. That stuff happens all the time. Um, I actually, I know it's a bit harsh on Rodak, but I would back Leno to save that. I would actually back him to actually parry that wide. Mm. He's superb one-on-one, so I think that's probably a fair call. That it, It's sort of looked like there was a bit of indecisiveness there from Rodak, and I think going back to what William mentioned earlier in his comment, uh, it comes down to a lack of game time. If you're playing every week, you are more likely to save something like that in a one-on-one situation where you, you're just a little bit sharper. He looked like he came out, didn't really have any idea what to do and just tried to make himself big rather than watching the striker and watching him open up to mm. side foot it to the other side of him. I, I, I agree, I, Leno would have said that. I'm going to say it's a quality thing, Jack. I think you could give Rodak half a season and he'd probably still not save that and Leno would yeah eight times out of ten i think it's a mentality i think it's a i think it's the ability to read play i think it's the ability to understand how an opposition is going to get forward to you and it's i because because leno does it we kind of take it for granted of how well he does it and how commanding he actually is like uh, I feel I feel like a lot of the time, like Rodak kind of just looks a bit like a scared little boy. Like he mm. he, he doesn't really have the best composure, and God, it stresses me out so much. Mm. And 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 you know, it's not that's not a that's not a Tom Kearney shot from close range where he's weaving yeah. between players, slightly obscured. If you think about it, there's a few passes which lead up to it, so you can see positionally what's going on. Mm. There, you know, he's he's fifteen, ten, fifteen meters outside the box when he runs at Diop, takes the ball off him, probably runs another 15, no, another 10 metres before mm. he has a shot. So Rodak's got a lot of time to position himself. I know we're being mm. really critical, but that's what we do. And mm. we're, we're actually comparing him to Leno. I think Bert Leno would have done a better job. Also, but Rodak's massive. He needs a break. He needs, <laughs> he needs a break. And we're, we're playing a cup tie. Yes, we want to run. But Silver's trying to man manage everything, mm. give people time, and and save our legs. So it's a balancing act, and you can have all the plans in the world, but people have to deliver. Totally, yeah, definitely. Um, so look, that was one nil down, and and like we said, you know, Fulham had a couple of good opportunities in the first half. Uh, we saw uh, Tosin head over from close range, head over having headed the ball into the ground. Um, Harry Wilson, a couple of good shots on on goal, but wasn't. I mean, he he definitely tested the keeper. But are you guys still there? Sorry, I've just lost yeah. internet. Um, <laughs> definitely tested the keeper, but wasn't really um, doing enough for me. Um, mm. Like we like we've spoken about, he he played well, but it wasn't brilliant. Um, so the the half sort of went out. Oh, now we've lost Jack. Yeah, maybe he'll come back. Uh, well, let's keep going. Um, <laughs> look, I mean, I, I guess Jack was, uh, I think Jack was talking about um, where Harry Wilson was finishing up. Um, mm. And I think, I feel like we've said all we can really about Harry Wilson. Um, I, I, I just think that 
Silva had to he he he, he cut his cloth with that starting lineup, mm. and he had no choice but to carry on for the half. He, you know, to to substitute uh, Mitro on as soon as we we went um, uh, one goal down would have been kind of crushing for Vinicius, A, yeah. and B, defeats the purpose of resting Mitro. Are you back, Jack? I'm here. Hello, Sorry, Jack. lost you power. Back? No, you're right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I lost power in the no, house. We, we... <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, we were just uh, talk, talking. I, I was just mentioning that having gone a goal down but actually set out your store with that starting lineup, what's Silver to do? You can't make wholesale change. You can't drag Vinicius and bring on Mitro and say, go and get us a goal. Um, mm. It would crush Vinicius and it would actually not give Mitro the rest he needs. Yeah. And so you need, you, you would expect us to establish some composure and it didn't really happen. But, you know, the crowd's going wild for Sunderland. Good for them. We weren't very loud at all. We None. were quiet. We were coy. And, um, good, you know, good for them. It was very exciting. And, you, you know, you made the comment before, Jack, about quality versus effort. I, th I think Sunderland showed just how dangerous effort and really being up for it can be. Because mm, they yeah. just harassed, they harassed us and just didn't give us any time. And they pressed quite cleverly. They weren't mm. pressing everywhere. They just pressed in little soft underbelly spots that they, they obviously did their homework and knew we had. Mm. I shudder so, to think what our game would have been like without Solomon, to be honest. I feel that he was he was everything to kind of like keep us afloat, in my opinion. I guess the, um, the biggest chance of the first half, though, for Fulham was the Pereira volley. Um, which was somehow cleared off the line, just pure pure luck at the end of the day. Mm. Um, so, yeah, as I said, we came in at halftime when they were down. It, it did seem a bit like it was going to be one of those days. I saw a lot of tweets saying, geez, this is Fulhamish. Um, yeah. It really did feel like we, we weren't going to get anything out of this game and Sunderland would quite rightly actually deserve to, to win the tie. And, you know, I, I think I tweeted at halftime that, it, it didn't feel like Fulham had any chance of actually winning this game based on the way we played in the first half. But the changes in the second half did make all the difference. Uh, and obviously it was Tom Kearney, Tom, Kearney, Tom Kearney who broke the deadlock. Let's have a quick look at his goal here. It was just an absolute classic. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Superb yeah. Yeah. Yeah, really uh, thing. One thing that doesn't show as well is the, the little flick on from... Solomon to Kazawa. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, That's a lot of yeah, skill I'm, from Kearney. A lot of skill yeah. from Kearney. What I mean, it's, it's, it's pure composure, that finish. Mm. Well, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that happen before he even, you know, finished. You know, mm. he, he sells the dummy, he fakes it, and then he actually dribbles through a couple of players and then puts in a very, very good finish. Really good. Great. Yeah. yeah. So, look, that brought it back to one all. There was still 30 minutes to play. Fulham, um, you know, actually at that point had a, a few players on the field who would potentially – oh, I'm sorry, didn't quite have the players on the field at that point, but not after that goal went in. Still, I guess, his intentions for this game, bringing on Mitrovic, Willian, Reed, and Dekodova Reed, four first-team players and start come on and – 
are probably the closest to winning it on multiple occasions. Willian put in a couple of really good shots. Mitro hit the target a few times, but their keeper was just having an absolute worldie <laughs> of a day. And then just before mm. the game finished in the final minutes, a uh, 15-year-old, uh, I think his name's Charlie Rigg, came off the bench for, uh, for sorry, 15-year-old Chris Rigg came off the bench for Sunderland, put the ball in the back of the net. It was miles offside, and it looked offside straight away as well. But, geez, guys, would you have uh, would you have taken the men as well? Uh, uh, actually, actually, um, uh, when he put that at, into the top of the net, I was thinking, how come we don't do that? It yeah. was a really, really great little finish. Mm. And I felt sorry for him when, um, you know, the goal was disallowed because what a, what a story that would have been. Mm. And, uh, I mean, you've mm. got to remember, 15 years old is just ridiculous. It's so young. It's so young. Sixteen. There's plenty of 16, 17-year-olds, but how many times do you see 15-year-olds making an impact in high yeah, levels of I mean, professional football? Unbelievable. He's like three years off being a, a very young player in a team making an impact and five mm. or six years off being a starter in a, in a team and still being very young at that point as well. So it's similar to you yeah. know guys like Carvalho, Harvey Elliott, Sessegnon, we forget that these guys are still in their, you know, teens and early twenties, even though they've been, they felt like they've been around for ages, but they, they're so young. And um, mm. you know, it'd be interesting to see how, how he goes in the future, because if you're 15 and coming off the bench and making an impact like that, and he looked good on the ball as well when he had it a few times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he looks like a talent. And they, they, the commentator said, you know, he's been known around Sunderland for a while, but I was impressed by Sunderland and, and their youth policy, I guess, how many mm. good young players they had in that team who were all affecting the game very often as well. Um, so, look, uh, it was absolute bedlam in those last 10, 15 minutes. Sam, I know you were struggling big time based on the messages you were sending us. It felt like your heart was about to jump out of your chest. Yeah. Um, and I think me and Dad were in the same boat as well. Just, uh, yeah, a, a proper classic cup tie. And... Although not the best result at the end of the day, was it still kind of good fun? Yeah, it's, I mean, like, yeah, I, I basically feel like I gave myself a hernia at 4am, which is something that you always need to experience at least once in your life. But, like, it's it's always weird, isn't it, being on kind of, like, the wrong side of a fairy tale. It must have been how Lord Farquaad felt when Princess Fiona buggered off with Shrek. Like, because yeah, he's still got emotions, you know, and that's kind of, like, how... I was feeling from our side because, yes, it's an amazing moment if a 15-year-old scores on us, but I really did not want to go 2-1 down at that time. Um, uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of, it's weird because, like, obviously, it, I, I, I understand um, it's great for the casual viewer, but when you're emotionally invested, those moments are really, really tough. <laughs> and, like, and, and, and when you make, you make the statement that you do actually want to win this game yeah. and have a cup run. Uh yeah, it's it, it goes beyond uh their fairy tale and and you know us getting the job done. Yeah. It's I I feel that like a lot of things like not in not in a completely chaotic like we got like um two red cards and 
Palina got injured, for example. Like, I feel that, like it wasn't that much of like a everything didn't really go our way, but it did kind of get the feeling that like this was really Sunderland's game. And it's, it's really, it's a real struggle to watch games like that when you are clearly standing in the way of the underdog writing history for themselves it puts a it puts a weird spin on your life you know it's like this this must have be how like people feel when they're just kind of like oh no i'm actually the bad person you know because yeah it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird dynamic to feel um especially for us because we're just so used to being underdogs so for us to be in this position and for it to be a good game as well yeah it was it was too much for Sam at 4 a.m. I had to watch like three cooking shows to calm down, like following the game. So, like, yeah. I, I, d- I don't think it's unfair to say that it was one of those games where we were on the wrong side of their unbelievable fortune. I thought mm. the keeper had a good game, but if you watch that replay in slow motion, the defender's running the other way. The ball hits him and it hits him. He's not even looking at, at, uh, Pereira, the ball hits him, ricochets off onto it was going in, by the way, mm. right off the line, hits the keeper's shin. Ju- just uh, could have gone anywhere. I'm gonna so, say that's that's harsh on the defender there. I think the defender actually did really well and judged it and got into a position there to block it, but the the deflection was pure, pure luck. Hits the keeper on going the leg. It's going, mm. The deflection's going in. The defender does really well, um, but that, that ball should be in the back of the net, but it hits the keeper on the shin. He has no idea about it. Um, and, and the keeper, you know, later in the game, the keeper, really good reflexes, mm. uh, but still kind of a bit lucky. And, and yeah, all, all power to him. All, all power to him. I'm not taking anything away from him because, you know, that's what reflexes are all about, sort of just getting your body in the way and yeah. hoping for the best. But it just felt like one of those days where anything could have gone in for them mm. and nothing was really going in for us. We had a lot of chances. Yeah. You yeah. Know, not, not that many of them were very high quality. Mm. But I don't know. I, I just thought, and maybe that is, the, that is what happens when you try really hard and you've got a whole away stand screaming their lungs out and believing mm. in you. That's what happens. It's, it's, yeah. I would call it negative serendipity. <laughs> sure. Guys, before we go to our final segment as well, I've just got a question come in from William here. It's quite an interesting one. If we draw a less than favourable opponent in round five, I believe the draw happens possibly tonight, maybe tomorrow, is it yeah, worth throwing the replay, throwing the replay, to concentrate on the Premier League, or is it worth a shot throwing all our eggs in the cup mm. basket? So let's say we, we pick up... Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly who's in the draw, but another championship or League One side, or even you know potentially a Rex. No, but the draw. do we? No, what he's saying. I thought he's saying if we pull Man City in the next round, do we throw the Sunderland? Uh, that, yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. if we pull an easy cup tie in round five, yeah. that could give us a good run to the to the final potentially. Do we? go back again and, and put a full-strength side out and make sure we get through to the next round to almost guarantee us quarterfinals? Or uh, if we pull a Man City or a Liverpool or whoever else is in the draw, 
do we basically put out a, a youth team and and give the cup up for the year? Uh, for me, uh, we've put in a good enough showing against those top sides to warrant pushing them in the cup. Uh, if you look at teams like Man City and the team that they put out on the weekend, um, it, it's it's slightly under strength. And so I think if we can put a full-strength Man City to, to push them for a full 90 minutes, then I think we could put out a full-strength side against them and, and probably get possibly get a result. So I, I think in the Cup, it's it's worth trying something and trying to push as far as you possibly can because you never know what could happen. So I, I'd say that we, we still concentrate, not concentrate on the Cup, but still put an effort in on the Cup, even if we do have a tough draw coming forward. But I, I'm saying it's going to all be dependent on where things are at, uh, you know, re the Premier League. Imagine if um, Friday night we get a couple of injuries, we have a loss against Chelsea, get a couple of injuries to some key players, squad's looking at have a really intense game and, uh, you know, and, and, and another couple of difficult following games and the squad's getting tired, carrying some key injuries. You're not going to throw everything at it. You're not. Mm. You simply couldn't. It, yeah, and it course, will all be yeah. dependent. All is going to be dependent on uh, how that how that positions us for our next couple of uh, Premier League games. Yeah, I, I think that that's fairly obvious. It sort of makes sense that if we we were struggling to put a team out on uh, in the Premier League that was going to get us results, we wouldn't put any focus on the cup at that point. But where we're currently sitting in a good place in the league. I think it's a it's a different story, assuming that nothing drastic happens between now and then. Sammy, your thoughts? I mean, I I know it wasn't the original point of the FA Cup, but the FA Cup now is kind of morphed into a bit of a let's see how our second team um, players fare against oppositions, and let's give the guys that don't get a regular starting position opportunities so we can actually see where they're at. So I think. I like isn't that kind of like the purpose of it just to essentially see what like our second tier is actually doing and if there's people that need to be given consideration for starting opportunities like I, Solomon like Wilson I think I think it is in the early rounds but when silverware all of a sudden becomes a, a genuine possibility you know if we if we do beat Sunderland and we get a league one side in in the fifth round all mm. of a sudden we're looking at you know almost guaranteed quarterfinal spot, and then anything can happen. You you have to win three games from there against probably Premier League sides, but potentially like mid-table to lower-table Premier League sides. Like you might come against Bournemouth and then Nottingham in the semi-finals, and all of a sudden you're in a final against Man City or, mm. or could be in a final against Everton or something stupid like that. You never know what could happen at that point. Um, sure. And I think when when silverware's on the line, the whole giving you your reserves a run goes out the window a little bit. Um, mm, yeah. I think it makes sense when you're when you have a really deep squad like Man City, and you can play some of these youth players in alongside blokes like De Bruyne, who's just insane, and it gives them an opportunity to have a run out. We don't have that, so the last few years it's just been yeah, just chuck the youth in there, give them a, a first team start, and see what happens. But now it's for the first time, as we said in the preview, for the first time in seven, eight, nine years, this is looking like a real opportunity for us to have a run. Mm. But yeah, I, I do agree with you. I think I think 
the cup, the cups, and we saw it in the Carabao Cup. I think they should be for rotation and for giving other players a chance to prove themselves. But I, I, I reckon we're at the tipping point here, where if we get a good draw in round five, we're we're probably starting to look at the possibility of silverware and players. You know, they'd have bonuses based on that if they win the FA Cup. You know, they they might pick up an extra couple of hundred grand, maybe even more than mm. that. Um, yeah. or, and the prize money gets split between the players and the staff. And so all of a sudden it, it becomes a bit more realistic. And so maybe they're in the back of their minds going, yeah, let's actually do this and let's take it seriously and let's push on. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it is. <laughs> the cup is really interesting and it's something that we haven't really had had to discuss or had a chance to discuss because we've never really taken it seriously for the last 10 years or so. And it's kind of nice to actually do take it seriously. I, I pulled up a stat and I tweeted it before the game where Fulham have only reached the fifth round of the FA Cup twice in the last 13 years, mm. which is kind of insane when you think about it. Across those 13 years, we were a very well-established Premier League team. Um, you know, looking back to 2010 was the last time we made round five. We, we were a proper Premier League team for three or four of those years before relegation, and then even then we're in the championship and going up and down. We should be making it further than that, and mm. we haven't. So it, it's one of those things where because we haven't had an opportunity for such a long time, maybe it is the time to have a bit of a cup run because you never know what will happen next season as well. If we're yeah. in a relegation dogfight next season, which is very possible, then the cup takes a back seat again and you chuck your under-21s in and, and give it up straight away. So, you know, when when the opportunity arises like it has at the moment, maybe it's one of those times you just have to take it. Yeah, I think so. If it, if I was silver, I'd take it. You know, depending and like it, it wouldn't matter to me like what you would draw next. You just take it each game game at a time. And I think yeah, going forward, especially considering this game, I think we I think we're at a point now where we just got to put our best foot forward. Maybe that mm. maybe that's at the sacrifice of the league, but. Yeah, yeah. I haven't, yeah, I haven't been put in this situation before, so I don't, I don't know. I don't think it'll ever be at the sacrifice of the league. I think if we do yeah. start to struggle in the league, we will put more focus on that and and put that first. But mm. uh, as William says here as well, it would be great for team conf- confidence to go the distance in the cup for sure. And I agree mm. with that. You saw it when we went all the way in Europe, how much it galvanizes the squad and how much of a tight-knit group they are. And you perform in the league if you're performing in the cup and vice versa, so... And and, um, and it fires up the fans, and that absolutely. gets them behind the whole club and across the board. And once you get to the semi-finals, it's another trip to Wembley as well. So you know, people mm. will be will be up for that, and hopefully, hopefully, Fulham do put a bit of effort into into going the distance and trying to make it the whole way. So, look, guys, I think we've covered off the game. They're looking forward to the replay. I'm not sure on the exact dates of that, but I assume it'll probably be a midweek replay. It's usually how far, how far ahead would that likely be? I think it's about two weeks, so probably a week and a half, maybe 10 days or something. They try and get it done pretty quick because I think the fifth round is scheduled for the end of Feb. Um, so, yeah, I assume we'll we'll get that done pretty quickly. Um, finally, finishing off, Sam split second snap once again. Sammy, walk us yeah. through how it works and what's going to happen. Okay, so it's essentially a would you rather scenario. I'm going to play you. I'm going to play you a scenario in your brains that's going to kind of link 
to the game that we've just discussed. And then if anyone has any better names for this segment, I want to hear what they are because I'm just going to keep putting that out till we get a better one. So in light of this, let me get my pitch up. So, okay. In light of the youthful exuberance that we saw last night, some players um, age phenomenally well, and sometimes you just need to trust in your youth system, like, like Charlie Boy, who essentially came on and had his shining moment. But as we've seen with Fulham, some players can age extremely well, like Hiroim and William, and some players you just don't necessarily know. So, with that in mind, one player that we... Um, so get this in your brain. Get this in your brain hole. So I'm going to brain give you hole. a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Just go with that. I'm going to give you a choice for you can either go the player in question that I'm going to say to you 20 years older, or you can put your faith in Jack's son being 20 years older. So a 22 year old Alfie. So you're going to be, so Jack, this is going to be the hardest for you because you're going to have to choose between. So I'm going to give you five options, and it's going to be that player 20 years older or a 22-year-old Alfie. Now, we, now, Alfie might be amazing in 22 years, or he might, be, he might be really, really exuberant and a lot fitter. We don't know, but it's, you're putting your faith. You're putting your faith, okay? So okay. with that in mind, with that in mind, that is the concept. So we're going to go 20 years older Solomon or 22-year-old Alfie. Which one do you go? I think this is going to be a weird quiz. <laughs> it's always going to be a weird quiz. It's always going to be a weird quiz. You just got to, you just got well, to go. Yeah, but even a sixty-year-old Tim Ream, I'd take over Alfie at the moment. <laughs> He's yeah, but that's just Tim Ream. Good. You wouldn't. Would you take a sixty-year-old Salt? Um, would you take a sixty-year-old Vinicius? I'm not sure. Go, I'll go. I'll go. This yeah. one, I'll, I'll go. go Solomon. You're going Solomon. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Skill, skill doesn't actually fade. Yeah. Okay. So, would you go a twenty years older Vinicius or a twenty-two year old Alfie? I think if we got Alfie in the gym really early, I think you'd do him. Vinicius, I think, is going to implode. Yeah, I agree. He'll, I agree. It, it, he's he's going to get a Ronaldo beer gut. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, the original, the, the not not the Portuguese oh, no. Ronaldo beer. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get a beer gut. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, he's he's still young. He's he's only uh, only twenty seven, so he's forty seven at that point. Yeah, he's probably past it. Twenty two yeah. year old. <laughs> Why not? Okay, okay, all right. Twenty year older Canny, which would probably be about fifty two at this point, or mm -hmm. twenty two year old Alfie. Mm, TC, I saw really? that. TC, yeah, he slows down the game. So how much slower can you really get at fifty two? That's true. Yeah. I'm going to go 22 year old Alfie because I could, I could not stand a 50 year old Tom Canny. <laughs> I love it. We'd just sit on the edge of our box and pretty much not move from there for the rest of the game. Dad? Yeah, I, I'm going Tom Canny. Yeah. Right, okay. Okay. Uh, 20 years older Andreas or 22 year old Alfie? Yeah, Pereira for me every day of the week. Yeah. Sorry, Alfie. I'm picking Alfie. I don't know where Andreas is going to be, but I imagine he might. He might. He might not have the same bite that he's been giving. And finally, twenty years older Tosin or twenty-two year old Alfie. Oh, I'll take Alfie in that point. It's the only time he gets a win for me. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Alfie's gonna take him. 
I'll give you another five I years. Do, I do love Tyson. I think, I think we're a bit harsh on Tyson sometimes. I do love him. I think picked him up for $2 million. He's He's played oh, probably close to 100 games for us since then. He's only mm. 25. He could easily still be three years away from his peak. Um, so I think we're a little bit harsh on Tyson. But, yeah, at 45, I think <laughs> Alfie, hopefully he'll have a bit of speed by 22. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm, 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 looking, I'm looking forward to his peak. <laughs> and that's the game. That's the game. You did great. You guys have fun every time. And you get scared every time. I love it. Uh, it was first one was better. Keep working on that, Sammy. It was good. Um, one thing before we finish, I'll just mention a couple of bits of transfer news because we did cover them in the last um, last episode. There's some talk about um, Josh Onomer at the moment. His contract looks like it's going to be actually mutually terminated by Fulham, allowing him to join. Uh, probably West Brom for free. Um, so for people who don't understand mutual terminate mutual termination of a contract, basically the club and Onoma come together and say, you know, your services are no longer needed and Onoma wants to leave the club as well. So they both agree to rip up the contract and he's then free to move whenever and wherever he wants. I think the free transfer deadline is potentially the start of March meaning he's got some more time to make a make a decision on his move. Um, so that's that's one piece of news. The other is obviously Sasa Lukic. That deal looks like it's very, very close to going through now. Um, and another bid was put in for Andre as well. Um, that happened late on Friday and was reported on Saturday. Fulham have gone back with a better bid. So uh, over the coming days, I expect we'll get a little bit more news. And obviously the window closes in just a couple of days. Uh, I expect we'll probably see Lukic and potentially Andre come in before then. And you'd assume Suarez is very close as well. Um, quick question here from William as well. What would be the plan for Duffy if we make him permanent? Uh, there's been a lot said about Suarez coming in as a loan deal and therefore um, us having too many domestic loans. Uh, one of the solutions has been... Well, I, I don't know if you saw, actually, Marco Silva mentioned that he has plans for both Duffy and James to become permanent deals by the end of the season. Mm. Duffy seems like he's going to be a cheaper option before the end of the season. I don't know how much we'd have to pay for him, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was less than... Uh, it could be a couple of million, at max, maybe five million. Dan James, his value is a little higher. I've, I've heard it's around about sort of the 12, 10 to 15 million, more around mm. the 12 mark. Um, I guess with with both of those loan players, they they have a bit part role rather than a than a full position in the squad. They're only ever going to sit on the bench, realistically. Um, I don't know if you guys think any different about that, Dad. Yeah, <clears throat> it it you know how how old is Duffy? Oh, he's in 31? his thirties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. You know, I, I, I know very little about him. I've seen very little of him. I can only imagine that, I don't know what his wages are, but what a boring life. You know, to literally be paid to train, sit on the bench with really no prospect of ever coming on, and now that's going to be converted from a loan into a permanent deal. Can he really be looking at this team and thinking, I'm going to play a part? I can't imagine it. Um, mm. <clears throat> you know, if if uh, if we buy him and then arrange for a permanent or, or a loan deal where he gets some football, maybe that's the deal he might be interested in. Mm. 
Um, maybe he's just trying to buy a holiday house in Spain. I don't know. Uh, but if 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 you're a professional sportsman and you're a professional footballer, surely you want to play football. And yeah, it I, doesn't I, seem very much of a prospect that he's going to get a lot of football at Fulham. Yeah, I do feel bad for him because he he had a he had an illness apparently that's actually um, massively hindered him. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, uh, I know it wasn't necessarily COVID, but it was like a lung infection or something like that, if I'm not to be mistaken. And apparently, that's seriously like um, had a detriment on like the amount of like time he can play. Um, I feel. Right. I mean, Silverstone seems to have a plan for him, and like I know he wants like four center backs, so I'm not that mad about it. Hmm. I did hear uh, he had I, I think... because yeah, Sorry, yeah, Jackie, yeah, go on. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I, I don't think there's any issues, for me at least, with, with Duffy being made permanent. We need a backup centre-back just in case of injuries. I mean, we can see there's a rotation happening at the moment, but the rotation's between Tosin, Diop and Ream. Um, mm. Duffy is there purely as a backup option. He'll probably be in somewhere between twenty and 30000 a week, which is, you know, at the, at the lower end for Premier League team. Um, I, I, I think having him in the team... There's he obviously gets along really well with the squad. The fact that Silver wants to make him a permanent addition, even though he's only come on maybe as a sub two, maybe three times all season, um, mm. he's obviously having a good impact in the change room and on the training field as well. And same with Dan James, even though he's not a dead set starter, he's obviously getting along with the playing group really well and, and becoming a good part of the, the squad. So it, it does sort of make sense that you keep him around. I think. If if he wasn't, we'd probably have seen his loan terminated already. Mm, I agree. Right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. We've almost hit an hour, which is a pretty good effort for a live stream. Um, thank you again to everyone who's participated in the live streams uh, today and as, as well when we did one a couple of days ago. Special thanks to William for his comments today. And thanks to everyone who's been liking and sharing our posts, our comments. Um our live streams as well. We really, you know, want to keep doing this and we'd love for you to to share these if you enjoy them to, to make sure that, you know, other Fulham fans can see the work that we're doing. So please make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter. We're, our YouTube's coming up soon. We're on Twitch. We're on TikTok. We're everywhere you find us. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This stream will be uh, turned into a podcast straight afterwards and posted so, look, we really appreciate all the support and we hope you keep going as well. So, uh, Elton, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Um, I'm going to get myself some sleep this week and um, have a half a chance of waking up for a ridiculously early game against Chelsea. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's all right. I'll do, I'll do my own outro. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. My body's kind of slightly shutting down a little bit, so I'm not sure if I'm going to get sleep or just have another coffee. But thank you, William. I always appreciate you in the chat. And thank you for you boys for making yourselves available on Sunday. I think I might need to go for a walk and do my washing. Come on, you whites. Jack, say it better. Thanks, Sammy. Come on, you whites. <laughs>